The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here, 2 a.m. at Google headquarters, and here is your top five at five. It could be another big day for big tech. NASDAQ futures, they are surging as the bounce back from the start to the year rolls on. And you can thank Google with a big beat on its quarterly numbers. And, oh, yeah, a 20-to-1 stock split shares. They are taking off. The crisis in Ukraine in focus as OPEC meets today as oil inches toward 100 bucks a barrel. Questions over Russia's next moves linger. Lima Croft is here. Pfizer looking to expand the use of its COVID vaccine in young kids. But will the FDA agree? Some countries have decided against it. And a lawsuit rocking the NFL as one former coach accuses the league and three teams discrimination, and racism when it comes to hiring. It is Wednesday, February 2nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. Let us jump right in here because it is a very busy Wednesday from Wall Street to Washington because it could also be a very good day for tech stock investors. Stock futures, particularly NASDAQ futures, they are higher. In fact, look at that. It is a rare day where the NASDAQ futures on a numbers basis, not a percentage, well, that too, obviously, but a numbers basis are higher than Dow futures. Wow, could be another big day for big tech. All this is the major averages notching a third straight day of gains on Tuesday so far this week. And yeah, we know it's only Wednesday morning, but the Dow and the S&P are up two and two and a half percent respectively, but the NASDAQ is already up 4%, still down in the year, but clawing its way back. Technology earnings serving as a big driver for that boost. The company formerly known as Facebook, Meta, is up next with its results after the bell today. Now, while stocks have gone up the last few days, bond yields have held steady. They haven't moved at all, and they're not again. Ten-year yields at 178. What has moved is oil. It has been higher all year. And you've got OPEC, Russia, and some other nations, so-called OPEC Plus, meeting today. Now, oil is higher right now. Inventories have also been coming down as oil demand surges around the world. There is certainly a lot for OPEC Plus to consider today, especially the continued tensions around Ukraine and Russia. No doubt some back-end political pressure from the Biden administration to try to raise output to bring prices down as well. We'll talk about it all with Halima Croft in just a moment. But let us wrap up this little segment with, no doubt, the stock story of the day and maybe the year so far. Maybe we have a candidate for stock story of the year already in 2022, and that is Google parent company Alphabet. Shares, they are surging after a big fourth quarter beat revenue for last year, hitting a record more than $250 billion. But the story is a massive 24 one stock split. So, If you own shares of the parent company Alphabet, you will get 19 more for each share you own 
beginning on July 15th, if it's approved by a vote on July 1st, which it will be. That split means the price of the stock, based on basically where it is now, would go down to about $140 per share. But you're going to have 20 shares instead of one. Some people also wonder, will this make Alphabet eligible for the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Maybe booting IBM out. Wouldn't that be something? All right. Let's go down around the world. Juliana Tattlebaum is in our London newsroom with a look at the European trade and maybe whether there's some Google lift to Europe. Juliana. Well, Brian, it certainly seems like that could be the case. The European equities continue to march higher. Yesterday, the stock 600 logged its fifth positive session in the last six. This morning, it's green across the board. A broad-based rally taking shape yet again. We've got the FTSE 100 here in the UK up about eight-tenths of a percent over in Germany, six-tenths higher. Similar gains for the French market. Earnings are front and center here in Europe, and we have seen, for the most part, um, strong earnings uh, come through this morning. Uh, Names like Novartis, Santander, Julius Baer, so a number of uh, names reporting in various sectors. Uh, from a sector perspective, we are seeing strong demand for technology stocks, so perhaps that alphabet boost is part of the positive story today. Technology up 1.4%. We're also seeing strong demand for financial services up 1.6%. Travel and leisure are out in front, though, up 1.7%. On the downside, we are seeing a little bit of selling in oil and gas, perhaps, Brian, investors in a little bit of wait-and-see mode, mode, as you described with OPEC coming up, and then also, of course, everybody watching what's happening around the Ukraine border. There is a lot going on there, and we'll talk about OPEC a little bit later. All right, Juliana, thank you very much. All right, now let's get some of this morning's other top stories happening around the world, including Pfizer making moves to expand the use of a vaccine in young kids in the United States. Savannah Hanau is here now with that and more. Savannah, good morning. Hey, Brian, good morning. Well, Pfizer and BioNTech have asked the FDA to allow the use of that vaccine in most kids under the age of five. The companies have said the agency had requested they start submitting data, which is being done on a rolling basis to fast-track the approval process for the first two shots of the vaccine. Pfizer and BioNTech have said that data on a third dose will be completed and submitted to the FDA in the coming months. Once the vaccine is approved for this latest age group, pediatricians will be able to administer shots within a matter of days. Starbucks says higher costs are weighing on profits as it cuts its earnings outlook for this year. The coffee giant missing earnings expectations with first quarter results while revenue just beat estimates. Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson says that he is anticipating higher inflation and continued supply chain issues to remain a problem for this year. Johnson will have more on all of this in a first on CNBC interview at 945 Eastern. And Comcast and Goldman Sachs have reportedly resumed giving money to one or more of the 147 Republican lawmakers who voted to object to the certification of President Biden's election victory. According to The Wall Street Journal, the two are the latest in more than a dozen other corporate and industry PACs that either paused all political giving or announced reviews to restart their donations. Goldman and Comcast, the parent of this network, were among dozens that announced they would pause or review their political donations in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot, Brian. All right, Savannah, thank you, and we'll see you in a few minutes with more. All right, let's get back now to the markets and your money as futures rise on that Google news. But do not forget about the Federal Reserve, or for that matter, other central banks around the world like the ECB, the BOJ, the PCB, and 
many other acronyms. As your first guest today says, it is time for investors to stop piggybacking off of central banks. Annika Trion is the Managing Director of Equities at Kempen and joins us now. Annika, thank you very much for joining us here on CNBC. What does that mean? And, and how much have we investors sort of been lazily just climbing on the back of those central bank whales and just riding through a, a sea of stock market gains? A sea, a sea of bliss, indeed. No, but that, that's, that's exactly it. And I think what Powell has been pushing very hard to wean the markets off the Fed puts. And if you look at his behavior, his language at the last press conference, to the dismay of many market participants, he simply refused to give any clues. And I think what is happening is Powell wants to leave his door wide open. And the reason for that is it's a shift away from Wall Street to Main Street. Finally, it's a shift to what's happening in the real economy. And the reason for that is very, very clear. It's inflation. It's, it's the impact on you know, the, average, the average joke. It's the fact that more than a third of Americans have less than $1,000 of savings to their name. The labor market is finally strong enough to start um, normalizing or at least start the path of normalizing of monetary policy. And what does that mean for investors? To your point, there has been a lot of complacency in the markets, simply piggybacking central banks versus a much more strenuous, proactive security analysis was a very profitable approach. And it does feel very strongly that that tide is turning. Are they going to be able to do that, though? I mean, those are noble goals. Help the working people because the wealthy people have made enough money. But is raising rates four or five times, maybe, which I do not think they will, but many on Wall Street do, and they're smarter than I am, will that work? I, I mean, it, it feels that nobody actually knows what's going to work. And that's also perhaps why, you know, the powers of this world are being very careful about his discourse he simply doesn't want to commit to whether it will be three, four, five, even seven rates. He doesn't want to commit to whether the increments would be 25 basis points or 50 or, or something else, because it's simply wait and see. So will it work? We don't know. But certainly something has to be done. And I think, you know, quite frankly, this addiction, this concept of free money, this this sort of indiscriminate um you know, valuation of companies. If a company appears to be a tech stock, it would have an indiscriminate yeah. X times sales multiple. It does feel that those days are over. Well, it certainly did in January, which seems like, I don't know, so last month ago, because January, <laughs> that's what happened. Stocks got crushed, high valuation, money losing companies got just beaten over the head. And everybody said, well, when rates go up, you can't spend as much or pay as much for these types of valuations. Now we've had a little mini run the last few days. How do you think it all ends up, Annika, shaking out? Well, that's interesting. So to your points, and especially looking at the mini run afterwards, it has become much more stock specific. It has become much more idiosyncratic. So when a large, you know, loved tech name misses on earnings, it's brutal. They get completely tarnished. But when a large tech name does well on earnings, you know, it's, it's the other way around. So I think what's happening is there's two factors. On one hand, it's the usual discourse. If rates go up, that's not good for the future value in terms of the NPV and the discounted cash flow. Um, that will have a negative hit on, on the valuations of companies, especially growth stocks, etc. On the other hand, 
there is an amazing amount of growth, independent growth momentum uh, visible in the economy. And specifically for certain companies that have excellent um, industrial positions or in excellent positionings with excellent moats, with excellent pricing power, where, you know, the real cohort behavior of their of their clients, of their revenue base is very, very strong. They still have a fantastic time ahead of them. That's right. Because that sounds yeah, that sounds excellent, by the way, that sounds excellent. But who are those types of companies? Like, what's an example of a company like that? Yeah, so that so that that's the that's the fun thing. So, you know, often in these situations, you know, it's a question of, well, there's a rotation, it's a rotation from growth to value, it's a rotation from this area to that area, it's a rotation from one geography to another, you know, from US to Europe because of the catch-up trade. I simply think that just does not work anymore. So, you know, even if you take what's happened in the tech world and saying, well, tech will be sold off because rates going up, that doesn't work either, right? So if you look at the divergence between the Netflix and the Apples of this world. So I think what is happening is it's not about a certain sector. It's not about tech. It's not about others. I think it's just an overarching concept of is a business good enough to stand on two feet, regardless of whether we are exiting a valuation re-rating world and perhaps entering a valuation de-rating world? I think that's one side of it. And the other side of it is from a geographical perspective, there is a point to be made that Europe is starting to stand out like a sore thumb. You already saw changes take place last year, but that is certainly an area I expect we expect to see more focus. Well, two things, Annika. Well, three things. Number one, thank you for coming on. Number two, euro inflation numbers just came out 5.1% year over year, higher than most estimates, I think higher than the highest estimates. And now all I'm thinking about is whales, but which is fine because they're nice. Annika Trion, we appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Brian. I don't know if all whales are nice. I mean, they seem nice. All right, Annika, thank you. All right, we come back. More on this morning's big money movers, including what has shares of PayPal taking a, a whale-like dive today. Plus, as the Fed looks to try to get a hold on inflation and higher costs that are hitting your wallet, we take a look at the factors that simply may be out of Jay Powell's or anybody's control. And did Saudi Arabia show an interest in owning like all of Tesla, the new claims by Elon Musk over his infamous 2018 tweets on taking the company private. A lot more to do. NASDAQ future is soaring. It's a big day. Grab a coffee. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. 
All right, welcome back and good Wednesday morning. Time now for your big money movers. Three key stock stories happening now. Here we go. First up is Electronic Arts. That stock falling on guidance that is short of expectations, despite posting better sales than analysts had anticipated. Video game earner or maker sees earnings of 46 cents a share for the upcoming quarter. Estimates were at 62 cents. It's not good, so the stock's down. Number two is AMD, rising after the company reported strong guidance for the year. It's also reporting record revenue for the first quarter, all of its strong PC and electronic sales. AMD stock is higher. By the way, AMD CEO Lisa Su will have more on the results in a first on CNBC interview on Squawk on the Street at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. And stock three, ugh, PayPal, shares the digital payment company getting hit hard. And after reporting weak full-year revenue growth, the CEO citing things like the continuing eBay transition as part of the problem, along with inflation weighing on user spending. eBay stock, or PayPal stock, I should say, is down big on this Wednesday morning when the rest of the market appears to be going in the other direction. So let's talk a little more about inflation and supply chains, shall we? Because many people seem to be looking to the Federal Reserve or the White House for some fix to the problem. But here's the rather uncomfortable reality. There are some pricing pressures that are simply out of anybody's control right now, specifically when it comes to trade. CNBC's senior editor, Lorianne LaRocco, is here now with more on that. And Lorianne, welcome. What are some of these main inflationary pressures coming from trade? I got to assume shipping is a big part of it. <laughs> Yes, it is. And really, the ground zero of it all is the congestion at the ports. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what we're seeing is because of the congestion at the ports, it then inflates the pricing of what we're seeing with ocean freight because it limits the availability of those coveted containers. And then, of course, zero COVID policies in China. And that, of course, these are the three big things that absolutely the Fed cannot uh, cannot control. Yeah, we've got all of the congestion that you've talked about so well. You've, you literally wrote a book on this topic as well. We've been to the ports. All right, so we look at sort of all these things that are factored in together, ships and trucks and whatever. How is all that being passed to the consumer? Are the companies eating any of it? Are we eating all of it? Where does it fall out? What we've seen is I actually had Freitos, who created the Baltic Index, I had them overlay the CPI versus the ocean freight. And as you can see, it runs in tandem. Trade is a forward-looking indicator, uh, if you will, of inflation, of supply chain, of a whole variety of things. And so we have seen uh, through the last two years that prices have indeed gone up. Now, Siegel Logistics CEO told me earlier this week that not only are they seeing an increase in the ocean freight, you've got trucking spot rates up at 20 percent right now. And normally in January and February, uh, the, the trucking rates are, are seasonally lower but not now. Since 2018, for the first time, you have seen rates go up. And so all of this is indeed being passed over to the consumers. Now, mind you, Walmart and Target have pledged that they would not pass it on. But for the smaller guys, they really have no other choice. No, they're not. I mean, well, I'd like to know what choices they may have. But I also want to talk about China, too, because we know that China has this sort of weird zero COVID policy, which you know, the rest of the world is kind of looking at them and saying, what at this point are you trying to do? And I only bring that up because it impacts the ports. I mean, I understand if, a, you know, a guy on a ship gets COVID, he's got to quarantine for weeks on the boat and then he's got to go home and quarantine. How is all of this impacting what happens here? 
Well, a lot of people believe that the ports are just vessels, but it's more than that. It's the warehouses, it's the trucking. And so what you're seeing is on the port side, you have what's called a roster system where only half of the folks are working. So they're working and they're confined. That's the key there. They're confined at the ports and the others are off. Project 44 just came out with details that, you know, Yantian is 10 days uh, late in terms of imports with dwell time and seven days for exports. So that all is that trickle down effect. And get this, uh, Kuhn uh, uh, Kuhn Logistics told me that North America is 80 percent the reason of this congestion. And more importantly, it's Los Angeles. And and all those ships, because you and I are wonderful weirdos, and look at marine traffic and and all those ships that are sort of still hiding off the coast of Mexico. They're not off the coast of L.A. anymore, are they? They moved them south, but they're still there. There's there's a lot of them just sitting there. 101. I think that's the most ever or close to it. Just putting in circles, burning carbon. (laughs) Lorianne LaRocco, thank you. Appreciate it. It's not funny, but they're there. They literally took them from L.A., and moved him off of Guadalajara, Mexico. Look, it's fixed. Anyway, on deck, General Motors looking to accelerate its investment in electric and taking a little dig at Tesla in the process. More ahead. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check down some of this morning's other key headlines outside of the world of money and business. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with those. Good morning, Francis. Brian, good morning. We begin with a monster winter storm that is already causing chaos. Signs of mayhem on the roads in Denver with multiple large accidents stopping traffic. And this is just the beginning. The storm is expected to stretch 2,000 miles, impacting 21 states and 87 million Americans, bringing a mess of heavy snow and dangerous ice. Former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores has filed a federal lawsuit against the NFL, the New York Giants, and other teams alleging racial discrimination. The NFL has what it calls the Rooney Rule, which mandates that every team must interview a minority candidate for top coaching positions. The attorney for the former Dolphins coach alleges the league's management is not handling them in good faith. 
Flores, who is black, was recently fired by the Dolphins after the season concluded. He quickly became a top coaching prospect in the league, but alleges he was set up for a phony interview with the New York Giants. According to the suit, New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick texted Flores three days before his interview, telling him Buffalo Bills' Brian Daybowl had already taken the job. The Giants insist he was interviewed in good faith and in a statement say the team hired the individual they felt was most qualified. And the NFL also issuing a statement saying in part, diversity is core to everything we do and adding that it will defend against the claims. Flores says he hopes he can ensure positive change by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL. Coachella is jumping on the cryptocurrency craze. The music festival is launching a collection of NFTs that grant owners lifetime passes to one weekend of the festival every year. Coachella says the NFTs also come with perks like special viewing areas at the concerts and a dinner prepared by a professional chef on the festival grounds. The NFTs go up for auction on Friday. And Brian, I remember the first time I'd ever did an on-air story about these non-fungible tokens. And I went on a deep, deep rabbit hole dive of like, what is this thing? What's an example? How do we see it? Explain it to me. To this day, I'm like, uh, don't quite, quite get on. Just know they're up in the millions and even billions of dollars. Yeah, basically put on a headset and we can virtually go to Coachella where we can virtually <laughs> listen to real music while looking at your virtual but real NFTs that you virtually spend all your real money on. Yeah, we can that make help? that reality happen. Know. Sure thing. Without spending the money, right? I feel like it's <clears throat> I feel like it's like Animal House when he's you know, he's done something and he's talking about how the whole world could be a universe on an atom mm-hmm. in his fingernail. Like maybe <laughs> that would help. Francis, thank you. It's legal in many states now. Francis, thanks. All right, still on deck. Is BBB already DOA? The president hoping to build back the Build Back Better plan and hundreds of billions of new spending, but is it already too late? We're back right after this. Search the internet for stock market gains, and it will probably show today. Tech futures, they are surging, and it could be another big day for stocks. And you can thank Google, a search giant, crushing estimates, closing in on $2 trillion and splitting the stock into 20 pieces. And are you thinking about buying a car right now? Well, your morning RBI will show you my UA just want to keep driving whatever you got right now. Trust me, this story will blow your mind. It is Wednesday, February 2nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning, everybody. And it is a good Wednesday morning if you own stocks because tech futures, they are looking very, very strong right now. And I don't use that kind of word lightly, strong, because we are seeing the NASDAQ futures up more than 200 points. S&P and Dow, not doing much anything. They're up like, what, one-tenth of one percent. But NASDAQ futures, look at that. They're up, I got to lean in, like six times more than the Dow. Very rarely do you see the number above the Dow because the Dow is so much bigger. It's blowing the Dow away. It could be a really, really big day for people that own technology stocks. By the way, if you bought like one of these double or triple, triple bull QQQ ETFs the end of last week, like take the family to dinner tonight, or maybe you can afford a used car because you have made a lot of money in a couple of days. Yesterday, all three major averages notching a third day of gains. In fact, this week, the NASDAQ is already up 4%. And by the way, Monday, Tuesday, we're only two days into the week. 
The Nasdaq's already had a biz, big week. Now, of course, it is still down in the year. I know, don't at me. But we certainly have had a nice pop the last couple of sessions. Crypto as well. In fact, a lot of people suggesting crypto may actually be leading stocks. Whatever you think of it, either way, they've both been running together. Right now, that is not the case. Bitcoin and Ether actually down just a little bit, or at least in the red, I should say, higher than they were a few days ago. Bitcoin really been struggling to break above, back above at $40,000 mark. Either way, it could be a big day for NASDAQ. All right, let's get some of your morning's top headlines right now, including Democrats looking to revitalize hopes for the president's Build Back Better plan. Savannah is back with that and more. Savannah. Hey, Brian. Well, a group of House Democrats are once again calling on President Biden to move forward with the climate change portion of his Build Back Better plan. The more than 20 lawmakers who are running for re-election in swing districts are demanding the president quickly finalize $555 billion worth of clean energy and climate change provisions that could pass the Senate in the coming weeks. Those measures have already passed the House. The package has been stalled in the Senate after, after Senator Joe Manchin sank the bill by opposing it back in December. Meanwhile, General Motors says it's planning to ramp up its timetable for the launches of some of its electric vehicles as it anticipates a rise in demand for the autos. CEO Mary Barra saying the company will also build a third factory to achieve that goal. Barra says GM is looking to sell 400,000 EVs in North America this year and next, a sharp climb from last year when it sold fewer than 25,000. Barra will have more on that plan in a first on CNBC interview at 9.05 Eastern. And Elon Musk claims he had a deal with Saudi Arabia to buy out Tesla back in 2018. This, according to the New York Post, citing a new filing as a part of a class action lawsuit centered around Musk's tweet that year, teasing taking the EV maker private. Brian, the Post says, while much of that filing is redacted, Musk's lawyers argue that he firmly believed funding was secured when he tweeted, given his discussions with the Saudi sovereign fund. Back to you. A little intrigue yeah. there. Maybe if I get called on the OPEC meeting, if they have a presser, I'll ask about that. Yeah. Doubt they'll take it. Maybe I'll ask. Savannah, we'll thank you. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, we will. If OPEC has a press conference today, we don't know. It's a game time decision. All right. Now to the stock story of the day, maybe of the year so far, and that is Google's alphabet crushing earnings. Revenue up 32% year over year. It's approaching $2 trillion in valuation. And they're going to split their stock 20 to one as of July 15th. That stock is up 10% in the pre-market. Let us bring in Joel Kalina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities. And I'm really aggravated, Joel, by my friend and former colleague, Jane Wells, because she said Alphabet should split 26 to one, which I just thought was genius. And I'm annoyed that I didn't think of it first. Uh, still, a 20 to one split is yeah. pretty insane. The market seems to love it. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, we've it's, it's funny for for a while. It feels like from the the two, you know two thousand nine to up until recently, you know, stock splits became a thing of the past. Then obviously, Apple and Tesla announced their splits in twenty twenty. Clearly, it was successful and, and and it led to share price appreciation. So Alphabet's not stupid. Um, clearly, you know, you could say it's more accessible to shareholders. But I think under the hood, this could also be more of a motivation to be maybe become included in the in the Dow Industrial, which is obviously a price weighted index. So that could be the really the motivation behind the move. And then, I mean, who knows? Do you think so? Okay, Joel, yep. let's let, let's let's sorry to interrupt on you, my friend. Let's jump. Let's unpack that a little bit. 
Alphabet or Google, whatever you want to call it, never struck me as the kind of company, at least under Sergey and Larry, that cared about things like being in the Dow. They probably viewed it as actually kind of like, like a stain because that's the old school type companies. Do you think that Sundar Pichai thinks differently? Do you really believe they would like to be in the Dow Jones Industrial Average? I think so. I mean, I think like again, if you're if you're sitting there and and maybe you have to answer to your your board or or obviously major shareholders, and and you just look what Tim Tim Cook or Elon Musk did just this recently, it clearly had a positive impact on the share price. It seems like a very it's a it's a harmless you know step to take. Um, I think times are a little bit different, and and the and the environments evolved a little bit over the last few years, where these tech companies are continuing to grow into these massive stock prices massive market caps i think it, it, it's it's an intelligent move it's not you know you're not you're not reinventing a light bulb or anything like that but it, it doesn't hurt anybody to do it and it's it's going to benefit the share price um i think that's kind of the, the simple fact of it and, and uh i think clearly well, it seems yeah but it, but if you give me a 20 dollar bill and i give you 20 ones you're not any richer than you were but for some oh, reason this these splits make investors feel richer, right? Because now the stock is cheaper and more people can own it. And because $3,000 a share is a lot of money, I can buy like half a share. So what's the psychology around the split? Why does it seem to matter? I think it's just, it's just human nature. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if, if, you know, what do you want? You know, one, you know, if you're in college, right? Back in the day, if you want a couple high-end bottles of beer, do you want to go get a, you know, 30 pack of Bush Light, you know, sometimes quantities more. And I think shareholders, they'd rather have to be able to have 200, 200 shares of Alphabet versus, you know, a 10. Um, and I really do think it's that simple. Um, obviously, it will it'll improve liquidity as well, which obviously will, will help improve the investor and, and lead to more kind of, an, an, you know, attract a wider investor base as well. And so I think there's different elements where it's, it's a harmless move, doesn't shift the, the fundamental narrative at all. And uh, it, it's just kind of going to be a, a slight tailwind to the, to the share price in the, over the kind of medium term. Yeah, and I know the split's getting all the attention, at least it is right now, because we're talking about it. But how about this, the actual results? I mean, I, I'm not sure you or anybody else saw these kind of numbers coming. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the company's firing on all cylinders, and, 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 and the, it clearly it's, been, it's coming from the core source, uh, search business. And I think the acceleration looks extremely sustainable, especially given Alphabet's ad format is a lot more insulated from Apple's recent IDFA changes versus kind of some of the social media names, which are more reliant on direct response advertising. I mean, it's just, it's just, it was just a pretty much flawless print. I know YouTube was a slight miss, but again, YouTube's also still very well positioned to benefit from the fast growing connected TV segment. Um, so I think there's really nothing to pick at. And I view Google Alphabet and Microsoft as probably the best, still the top two companies on planet earth. They are, they continue to benefit from the three, you know, rare kind of traits, you know, enormous scale, tremendous growth and elevated margins and really no other companies uh, in, in the markets can, can, can say that. So I think the story continues to work yeah. and, and it's, it's not crazy expensive and, and, and the re-rating will continue despite, you know, the stock, go, you know, tripling, I think since January 1, 2019, there's definitely blue skies ahead. And NASDAQ futures are up 1.5%. Dow futures up 0.15%. Technology, you're going to be busy today, Joel. So we appreciate you making some time for us. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. All right. You're very welcome. Coming up, we are going to switch from Google to oil. Lee McCroft is here with what OPEC may do today. And if there's any relief in sight for these higher prices, stay tuned. We will be right back. Oil, higher as well. Stick around. 
All right, welcome back. Oil prices are climbing back towards seven-year highs. That all ahead of the OPEC Plus meeting later on today. It kicks off at 8 a.m. Eastern time. You got a lot of stuff happening in oil right now. You got tight supplies. You got increased demand. You got geopolitical tensions, not only with Russia, Ukraine, but also in the Middle East as well. Here's the question. Will OPEC Plus continue with its 400,000 barrel a day increase every month or give us a little more supply on the market? That is the question. Let's get the answers with Halima Croft of RBC Capital Markets. Halima, great to have you on. OPEC has been very quiet, very quiet the last couple of weeks and yes. months. It reminds me of what that submarine book, Run Silent, Run Deep, right? And, and we, there's been no leaks. What do you think OPEC and uh, His Royal Highness bin, Abdulaziz bin Salman is going to do today? Well, I think Prince Abdelaziz bin Salman is probably worried about the market fundamentals. I mean, it does look like it is a very tight market. However, you know, I think they're still likely to proceed as planned with the 400,000 barrel a day monthly increase. The problem is, is that they're not wow. doing 400,000 barrels because of problems with Nigeria, Angola. But I do expect at some point, you know, if prices move, you know, materially higher from here, I do think that the Saudis will likely look to cap the upside. I mean, certainly if we got into a situation where Russian troops would cross the border into Ukraine and you got $100 oil, I do think that's when the Saudis would yeah. likely come back into the market. But there are only a small number of producers right now that can add barrels. We're talking about you know Saudi Arabia, Iraq, UAE, and Kuwait. Everybody else is pretty much tapped out. And so, again, the question is, you know, what the U.S. may have to do to try to get the Saudis to put more barrels on the market. What we do know about Prince Abdelaziz is he does see himself as a central banker of oil. And we have seen the Saudis act unilaterally before. And so I would look for potentially some type of decision, you know, in the coming weeks if prices move materially higher for the Saudis to get into the market. But I think for now they're likely to stay the course. He's turned OPEC into the Federal Reserve of oil. And occasionally they have press conferences, occasionally they don't. We'll see if they do today. They haven't at the last number of meetings, Salima. But here's the thing. Under the OPEC deal, they've all got to kick in if they're able to. For the Saudis to make up any production lag, as I understand it, under the Declaration of Cooperation, that big deal we talk about, yes. the other groups, the other countries are going to have to approve it. And so the Saudis could say, we'll produce more, but the other right. countries have to say, okay. Do you think they will if the Saudis raise their hand and say, we'll raise output to make up some of that gap? I mean, we have seen before, Brian, that the Saudis have acted unilaterally when it comes to, you know, pulling back barrels. And so I do think that, again, if, King Abdel if Prince Abdelaziz wants to proceed, if his boss, if the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman wants Saudi Arabia to come into the market and act as a central banker of oil, I do think that Saudi tends to get what Saudi Arabia wants. And I do think that there are certain producers that love this higher oil price environment. But I do think the Saudis and some of the other producers will start worrying about demand destruction if we move materially higher from here. Ironically, you know, we're talking about sanctions on Russia, but the United States is the, I think, the third largest destination for Russian oil, or they are our third largest yes. import partner. It's not a huge amount, but it is some Russian oil flowing to the United States. So Russia's in kind of a bizarre spot here. They're not a member of OPEC, but they are the leader of, quote, OPEC+. Plus. What do the Russians do today? I mean, do this want? is an amazing... 
this is an amazing dynamic we're going to be watching. I mean, if we do have a press conference, this may be the first press conference when most of the questions go to the deputy prime minister, Alexander Novak of the Russian Federation, because all eyes are going to be on what does Russia do in the coming weeks. And if we do get significant sanctions placed on Russia, if they were, for example, kicked out of the SWIFT payment system, if there are major sanctions placed on their financial banks, would you see the Russians respond by withholding supply? And so I do think that is a critical concern right now is not only what happens to Russian oil exports, gas exports, but they are a major exporter of wheat. I mean, this could be really inflationary for food prices if you were to see Russia pulling back on wheat supplies. And so I do think there's broad concern because Russia is a commodity superstore. There is broad concern about what Russia is going to do with their exports in the event of a conflict situation. Well, the last few meetings have been in like 23 minutes, and I know His Highness has been sort of bragging about that. We'll see what happens today and whether or not we get a press conference as well. Probably not as my guess, Alima, but we'll see. And if we do, I will see you on it. Alima Croft, yes. thanks. <laughs> I thank you. But yes, we, we are, Alima, thanks very much. All right, on deck. We're talking more tech. We're talking more Google. Carrie Firestone is here laying out her trade on Alphabet. What's going on with PayPal and some other big names? As a reminder, if you haven't already, follow our podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever. We're back with NASDAQ futures soaring right after this. Time now for your morning RBI. And today, let's get random but interesting about cars, specifically the car market, because it remains, and I think this is in technical terms, bunkers. Specifically, the market for used cars. And if you have looked around, you've probably had sticker shock, and it's not your imagination. Check out this recent data point from Goldman Sachs. Quote, used car auction prices increased 0.6% to 56% above the pre-pandemic level in the first half of January. Let that sink in. The price for a used car on average is now more than 50% more than two years ago. The same car. Here's the used car pricing index. They're referring to the Mannheim Used Vehicle Index. If you're wondering, Mannheim is a giant car auction in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I've actually been there. Anyway, you can see for years used car prices didn't do much. And then, and by the way, if you wanted a car, you could probably find one that fit your budget. Not anymore. But as crazy as that chart is, here's what's really random but interesting. There are a number of used cars that are now more expensive than the same car Brand new. Carinsurance.org found a number of cars where the 2020 model is more than the 2021 model right now. The top three, the Kia Rio, whatever that is, the Corvette Stingray, and number one, the Toyota RAV4 Hybrid. In fact, that Toyota RAV4, little SUV, cost $10,000 more after one year than it did new. So the RAV4 got a better return on its money over a year than Bitcoin or much of the stock market. And it can actually, you know, like take you places. But kidding aside, this is the most upside down, insane thing the car market has ever seen. So if you're buying a car, be careful out there, folks. Maybe just run the wheels off of what you got. Random but interesting. Well, it may not be true for used cars, but your next guest says that many stocks are on sale right now, including a bunch of names you know. Kerry Firestone, chair and CEO of Aureus Asset Management. Kerry, 
Uh, you had a great stat. Your notes to us. Thank you. There are more than 200 stocks, or there were as of yesterday, 200 stocks with market caps over $4 billion, down at least 35% from their highs. So kind of how do you go about finding in that group some of the names that you really like? How do you find the RAV4 hybrids of stocks? Well, hi, Brian, and thanks for having me. I'll tell you something ridiculous. I gave away an old RAV4 a few years ago. Boy, I feel stupid. Uh, so looking at what might be on sale on that list, and within that list, there's over 100 that are down more than 50% from their 12-month high. Well, there must be some names that are on your shopping list, uh, ones that were too expensive or you've been watching them come down. People on the halftime report talk about Cleveland Cliffs. That's a, that's a value stock, and it's really been smoked recently. Then there are some of these high flyers, Cloudflare, Snowflake, CrowdStrike. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, PayPal, which is a stock I know we'll talk about, is probably down 60% over that period. Peloton, I mean, it, it, it's a long list. And you can look over the financials and think through about what that long term for the company might imply, even yeah. if it's a takeover, and just buy some because, you know, there are many names that have great potential and earnings, but we're just too expensive. Well, PayPal is, however expensive it was last night, it is 17% less expensive today, I assume, because the stock is down 17% right now. Not piling on. You made a lot of great calls. PayPal has burned a lot of people over the last year or so. What's wrong with the company? What would you like to see them do? And hey, if people like the stock 30% ago, maybe people love it now. Well, I, I think that's right. You know, they may be in the penalty box for a quarter or two because they've taken down guidance. Apparently, they had a lot of new subs. You know, people use PayPal for everything now and Venmo, phenomenal platforms. But many of those new customers were low quality. You know, they just came on for the promotions. And that means that the guidance for this year is much lower than expected. Hardly any growth. Next year, they begin 20 percent plus growth in earnings. So if you can look forward for a few quarters, you can see that steady resumption of quality subscribers to PayPal. And, you know, realize that every time you make a purchase on PayPal, which is very easy, they take a cut from the merchant. And that's just yeah. a great subscription business that's, that's just become, you know, embedded. Uh, it started, you know, in the pandemic. More and it's more every people were driven to it because they were at home. It's everywhere. It's, and that's why it's, it's hard to yeah. understand what's wrong with the stock when literally everything you buy, you've got the option for PayPal and it works great. I'm not promoting the company. I use it all the time because it feels secure. Let's move on. I know we talk a lot about tech. Google, by the way, amazing day. You're going to print a lot of money on Alphabet. Others will talk about that. Talk yeah. to me about Cleveland Cliffs. Carrie, because isn't, wasn't this one of like Labenthal or, or Stephen Weiss's favorite? I mean, we're talking about iron ore and mining? Cleveland Cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's not the sort of name we, we, we would own. But if you think about exactly. the Exactly. I was, a little, I was like, wait a minute. Stocks. Are you sure these aren't like Labenthal's old notes? <laughs> I was like, Carrie says Cleveland I'm, I'm Cliffs. I'm helping you, Jimmy. Helping you. <laughs> Well, I saw it on the list and I couldn't believe it. So if you think about the value trade and reopening stocks have been so strong, this one has been very weak. And, you know, I think it just got ahead of itself. It sells for a low multiple relative to the market. And, you know, if you're looking for a bargain and you like that sort of name, I mean, why not, you know, take a bite? 
Um, you know, and, and he's the authority. But I, but I looked at him and said, wow, there are so many stocks that have come down tremendously. Let's, you know, let, let's put that on the list. But Google, you know, I mentioned that because think about it. It had $75 billion of revenues in the quarter. Procter & Gamble, huge Procter & Gamble, does $80 billion yep. a year. So that's just really Amazing. fantastic numbers for that company. Yeah. Kerry, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Love having you on. Take care. Have a great day, everybody. A big day for the market. I'll see you later. Squawk is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.